This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, the Friday night preview show, and it's a very long time that I, Stamford Chidge, have been able to say that, thanks largely to some small trivial competition held in a desert called the World Cup 2022, uh, which England failed to win, of course. So we're now back with proper football, I am delighted to say, absolutely delighted to say, it's good to be back, but not in a... Gary Glitter sense, I assure you. I was uh, about to immediately go, good to be back, good to be back. I know, that's why I got in there first, just in case. The Mr. Fantastic, Jonathan Kidd. Oh, Chich, what a lovely thing to say. Thank you very much. How are how you? Much, how much do I owe you? Have I'm, you missed me? And uh, yeah, yeah, since no? last week when we last saw well, each I, other. Actually, we've been sneakily a... doing a few busmans holidays, haven't we, with the 50 years yeah, shows? Yeah. In terms of doing the previews, yes, I've missed doing a Missed doing this. Yeah, very much, yeah. Yeah. Because I was intrigued to look at um, at our manager's uh, press conference today, which I will have words about later. I'm very glad you did, because I, I did put it in the script, but I completely forgot to watch it, because I got distracted by watching Murder on the Orient Express. Which but, was, uh, but, you know, but, that, um, one but, of our guests um, stuck it up on the site, if I remember right. Oh, right, Johnny. Well, who are our guests? Talking of guests, well, we, well in, in, in not in any particular order, but in actual fact, in anti-alphabetical order, we have the witch, charm, personality, and good looks of the young man with his headphones on, pointing at his face. It is. <laughs> yes, everybody, it is. He's now fiddling with his lower lip. It is, Mister Martin. Wake up. Thanks very much. Uh, I did not watch the press conference, so you must be talking about the other bloke. <laughs> he could well be. He could well be. There we go. Yeah, good to be back as well. Yeah. Um, World Cup was a bit weird. Yeah. Wrong country, wrong time of year. Yeah. Um, wrong winner. I, I couldn't care less about the winner, to be honest. <laughs> just you know, it just you know, it wasn't wasn't much of a choice, really, was it? And um, and then they made it look stupid by putting that bloody cloth on him when he was lifting the trophy. The, the negligee. Whatever it was. Do you know what, though, yeah. Martin? I've got an admission to make, uh, which I never thought I'd say. 
and certainly anybody who listened to the shows before we did the World Cup wouldn't believe that I would be saying. I actually really enjoyed watching football for six weeks non-stop on the telly without any emotional engagement in it. It was I found it really liberating not to really give a shit who won or not. It was and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the football for football's sake. So, yeah, there was, who this, knew? There, was this, there was this number seven uh, playing for Morocco who was quite good. I'd quite like That's, to see him. Zakim Hayek or something. Yeah, I'd like to see him in a Chelsea shirt. Apparently he's got a brother that plays thing. for Chelsea who's shit. He's yeah. <laughs> evil twin or something. <laughs> That's right. I'm not sure that he'll get selected, though. That's the trouble. Yeah, we'll see. We have another guest, of course, don't we, JK? Oh, do we? I we do. see anybody there. I thought it was just the three of us. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, look, there's a little window there. And then the little window. It, oh. Who, who's in the, in the oh, square it, window today? The square window. It's, it's, uh, it's of course, the uh, uh, the man who knows, the man with the plan, the man who knows everything, who is much more informed than any of us and will uh, give him the opportunity and he will he will put us in our place because yes. he knows. He is the man who knows. He's the man I've who knows. Cursor, I've got my cursor. I'm sticking it up his nose at the moment. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it is, of course, the excellent football football dot London uh, journalist. It is uh, who we love having on the yeah. show. Is Mr. Adam Newson. Thank you very much, J.K. And a little peek behind the curtain. The press conference wasn't done today. Wasn't it was it? Done after Bournemouth. So it was after Bournemouth. They yeah. cheated. Oh, I wonder why it looked so crap, and I wonder why it was only seven minutes. And uh, <laughs> but I've got a lot to say about it, regardless. So, well, thank. But even you got a question in, Adam. You got a question in. Hey, oh. I, I, rooted, I rooted for you, Excellent. Adam. Adam, I heard, you, I heard your voice. Oh, Adam, I'm away. Well, I've got to say, ten out of ten to J.K. for actually bothering to watch it because I, I actually remembered after I put it in the script that I said I'm not going to bother anymore because they're just usually so completely dull. But anyway, whatever. Adam, uh, belated happy Christmas and an early happy New Year to you. Absolutely lovely to see you. And uh, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Thank you. Good. good. Are, you, are you pleased uh, to see football back? Yes. Yes. Yes, I am. I am. <laughs> no matter what, always excited or interested to watch Chelsea matches, despite the fact that social media wasn't absolute hell pit for the whole entire World Cup break whenever it came to Chelsea. I I just think, you know, I mean, it's interesting. We could have a whole debate about social media, not least because of uh, what it's like now Elon Musk has taken over. But it's weirdly, I had this, I had a kind of a, well, let's just put it this way, a debate with JK last night about social media. It is really best ignored. That's the reality about it now, isn't it? There is no sense that comes out of it whatsoever. It's just legalised lunacy. It is an echo chamber a lot of the time, isn't it? And there wasn't... And, you know, I wrote a piece about this last week, which you guys may or may not have read, about the, the general feeling around Chelsea and how it seemed that a lot of Chelsea fans didn't even want Chelsea to come back, which didn't really... I couldn't understand it because as much as it, it was frustrating and disappointing, like the prospect of having Chelsea back after six weeks was one I was excited about to have this idea of people actively not wanting the club. But, but, but here's the thing, Heart, you know, I think, and I, and I, I, you know, I don't necessarily include you in this, but the sooner that, that, that uh, professional commentators on the game of football, journalists, call it what you will, the sooner they realise that you could, they've got to stop quoting what the mood of Twitter says mm. because it has no relevance to reality. So all this like, 
Mason Mount is hated, not by anybody mm. inside Stamford Bridge. That's the best example, obviously. But the other thing they've also, have also got to realise, and Martin, I know, is a subscriber to this particular theory of mine, is that Twitter has enabled everybody, and myself included, although I now try very hard not to do this, to share our inner dialogue publicly. Now, mm-hmm. speaking as a psychotherapist, the only person you should ever share your inner dialogue with is yourself or your psychotherapist. Not <laughs> on a fucking public platform. So there will be people, I bet you every single one of us here if in our inner dialogue moments has said, oh, for fuck's sake, I've got to go and watch Chelsea again next week. Oh, my God. You know, we've all done it, but very few of us would put that on a public forum because it mm. can be taken out of context and weaponized. Mm. That's the point. Sarcasm doesn't work well against the character limit. No. Is no. What I find. It doesn't. And yeah, does it, any nuance or double meaning just gets completely flattened and yeah, yeah it doesn't nuance. work. Still, yeah. I'll still do it. I'll still do it, but it's just, you, yeah. you know, it, it, half the time you just want to see who gets the joke yeah. and Half the half the amusement is when people don't. Well, J.K. experienced that, and of course, did what he normally does, and he blocked the poor bloke on <laughs> Chelsea. It's all right, and he, do you know what? He even admitted. He said, "I wouldn't care that I blocked it because I knew you'd come along later and unblock him." And that's exactly yeah, what I touch. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, say, um, and this isn't. I know J.K. loves it when I promote pieces on the website. Um, this whole piece I wrote last week was ahead of the Bournemouth game about basically how yeah the team isn't playing well, but isn't it? Isn't that isn't that the point where supporters should step up a bit? Yeah, and support, the team? support. And what I found interesting was a lot of the replies. You know, there were some people who agreed with the piece, there were people that didn't. I knew I knew it wasn't going to be universally agreed with. But what surprised me was this attitude of, "Well, we'll support the team when they start playing well." And I was like, "That's the point." When the team isn't playing well, that is when you have to, as a supporter, you have to go that extra bit for you, for your team. And it, it's in, it's so we could talk about this for about an hour, I imagine. Just think what kind of parents these people will be. Oh. I mean, seriously, think about it, right? Because, you know, the chances are that if you've got kids and you've got some sons, the chances are that they're shit at football and that they'll never be a professional footballer. And yet you still have to go and watch them every week while they play for their crap local village side, making a complete spanner of themselves and being rubbish. So what do you do? Do you basically call them out for being a wanker and a useless turd and then refuse to drive them home? Or do you go every the, every week supporting them and trying to delude them into the fact that they are actually half decent? I'll leave My that... dad just turned up at the final whistle. My dad never turned up <laughs> at all, actually. My mum did, though, bless her. But uh, you, oh, you see my point. You know, you, you either support or you don't. And mm. if you don't, you're not a supporter. But I don't I don't think a lot of the people replying to that stuff were actually, you know, in the they're, they're not, I would say they're not going to games. I mean I I I read it and thought, yeah, there is a little bit of a symbiotic relationship, you know. Some it does stay quiet if the perform, performances are flat. That was certainly the impression I got from the final week to the first part of the season. But you know, it improved a little bit on Tuesday. Not yeah. great, but you know, that's 
half of people just been nosed up from Christmas and having, <laughs> you know, been drinking solidly for about three days. So. Well done, Martin. I knew I could rely on you to, after a whole 10 minutes, actually get us to talk about what we're here for, which is the game on what, Tuesday. Drinking. And drinking. <laughs> we, I mean, I'm just going to let everybody know, by the way, part one, Chelsea Bournemouth review, of course. Part two, uh, Chelsea News, uh, which was going to basically have a look at uh, its transfer window time. It's going to try and make a little bit of sense about that. Uh, I might allow JK to talk about the Potter Presser. In fact, I will. There you go. It's Christmas. Oh, sweet of you. Thank you um, very much. I'd quite like to talk very briefly about the Bedad Agbali interview that's got, got up my jacksie. Uh, part three, Nottingham. Obviously, I wrote, you can tell I wrote, wrote the script whilst I had a cold because I've spelt it Nottingham Forest. Not Notts Forest. No, no, there's no N either. <laughs> Nottingham Forest versus Chelsea. We'll be previewing that. And then I shall be going for a long lie down because I am going away on holiday for a week on Sunday. <laughs> You're practising. You're going to practise. I will. Uh, now, um, Martin made a very good point, actually, about... Uh, I mean, it's, it is, you know, the fact, the, the, the fact of the matter is we've been... I mean, this is the last show of the year. And what a year it's been. You know, it's been a tough year if you're a Chelsea supporter, period. So I can understand why people are feeling a bit beaten up and fed up with life. Uh, but I think you make a good point, Martin. And I invariably don't go to Boxing Day matches anymore because I spend it with my family instead. And, of course, now I'm out of London. That makes it even more probable that I won't be there. But even I remember that a few years ago, Boxing Day matches were not what they used to be. And it tends to be uh, full of people who don't usually go, and it's a bit weird as a result. JK and Mark and myself were talking about this last night. But anyway, that aside, somebody was back, which filled my heart with joy, and it's Rhys James. And then on 60 Minutes, he was not back anymore because it looks like he's done a repeat of the uh, of the knee that he injured, which was just dreadful. Now, I'm going to speak to JK about it first because, of course, he was sitting right above it. But, I mean, the two things really are how bloody awful for, for Rhys James, JK. And the other thing, which I think fed really into the game in your fan bike, it kind of did make us look a little bit like a one-man team because when he went off, we were not the same side. And, of course, we remember what it was like before we had the break when he wasn't playing and we were distinctly average. So... All in all, what a horrible thing to happen again. Oh, you felt for the poor boy. He started crying, actually. He put his hand over his face. It must be absolutely dreadful. I mean, the trouble is you have a kind of, 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 of a template to look at, which is Robertson, who rarely gets injured for Liverpool, who's just fantastic. And, uh, and a similar kind of fullback who actually they seem to thrive having there to, to uh, use him as a... Um, as an extra, as a winger with these wonderful sentences, sentences, wonderful sentences, wonderful centres. And of course, he had just done an absolutely typical uh, Rhys James curly centre that nobody got in on the end of. And uh, and then he, he he looked a bit worried below. And I actually pointed out, I said, I think Rhys is injured. And it was then that he then lay down at the side and some somebody, some sensitive soul beside me said, why don't you just go off the pitch? Can they play on? And you're thinking, no, I think he's really actually done himself. And uh, and, and you knew then that he had done something really bad because he started, he, he put his hand to his head and he was clearly in, in great distress. So you thought, OK, is this a redo of the same injury? And um, I, I, you wonder 
he was going to take him off anyway, according to Potter. He was going to take him off on 60 minutes anyway. But it, it, obviously there's a weakness there in some way. But you worry as to why this hasn't been observed by the, the medical staff. And yet the same thing happened to Conte. He was just about to be uh, registered as being fit again and he had another injury. So perhaps these injuries are... Do you mean Fofana or Conte? Happened to them both. Happened to Fofana as well. He was yeah, in a well, bit. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, some so, of the discussion was about, oh, you know, should he have come back for this game? It wouldn't have mattered. I think yeah, Rick James would have tried to go full bore, yeah, yeah. would have given it a go and possibly had a reoccurrence. Now, he was, you know, reading between the lines, slightly pissed off. He didn't get a chance to prove his fitness for the World Cup. So, clearly, either he is overpushed himself right thinking. Decision. Well, I well I think there's, you know, considering some of the players who are in the England squad, like you know Calvin Phillips, who you know came back overweight apparently, despite not not playing. I I don't think he was maybe he was a bit pissed off and not getting the chance to prove his, at least prove he could play. But I don't think he'd have got anywhere. But I I don't know. I get Michael Essien vibes about him. Unfortunately, no, I don't know whether no. I don't know whether I don't. I know I'm, I'm Loved watching Mark Lessian play, but he had knees like fucking biscuits. And you know, it's just your question though, Chidge, originally the question was, were we a one man team? It it definitely got worse because they they played down the side that Dave was. Yeah, you know, Adam wishes to come in and agree with that. That's the exact question I asked Potter after the game. I said to him, Why was it just the mental impact of losing Reese? Was it just losing him in terms of what he can offer the team or something else? And he sort of basically was a bit of everything. Um, and of course, you take Reese out of this team, and he's a world class player, so it's natural that you lose something. Um, and Sterling I, was offering no defensive cover, so they just went two on one on a Spilicueta, and a lot of their attacks went down that side as a consequence. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it worked better with having Sterling and Pulisic actually hugging the lines, though. I have to say, they, they looked like a, a couple of out and out wingers, and they were much more dangerous rather than ever coming in. It just broadened the whole aspect of the forward line i thought that was really impressive and the trouble is pulisic still has this tendency to he sort of rushes into cul-de-sacs all the time he just rushes and then gets fouled the, the, the my overall image of him in that game was lying face down in the mud he was just constantly fouled do you know what um, he reminds me of you know if you i mean you will have remember i mean you're a parent adam's a parent if you've got a two-year-old that's just started to walk they stay, they totter very, very quickly, don't they, in one direction, and they fall flat on their face. It's a bit like watching Pulisic play football, isn't it, really? Very true, actually, yeah. and they stay there. They do. Listen, old Bean, you, get, you make an excellent point there. I'd be interested to hear what Adam says about this. But I, 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 I mean, I was encouraged at the start to see them playing 4-3-3 because I really do think that that's the future, um, in spite of the fact that Jorginho was playing in a 4-3-3, which is not the future. It was also interesting to see that it was 4-4-2 when they were out of position and 3-3-4 in attack when, obviously, they were in possession. Um, I mean, you know, is is it really the future? I mean, it begs a lot of questions. I thought, actually, that JK's right. I thought Sterling and Pulisic and Havertz, actually, I thought... Yes, played, as a consequence. Yeah, played yes. well. I mean, I, I, I mean, look, whatever one says about the fact that we haven't got a striker, we haven't got a number nine, you know... Havertz is very much a modern number nine. In other words, he want, he's one that floats around. He comes deep to get the ball, a bit like Harry Kane does for Spurs and, dare I say, England. So, I, I mean, I don't think, you know, we we might have to, like, just deal with that. But I thought he actually did. He looked he looked good. He looked okay. So, you know, is 4-3-3 what, what Potter wants to do going forward, Adam? And if so, 
how does how does that leave us with Jorginho, who is not suited to four three three? I think it would be safe to say. Well, I was going to say, how does it leave Chelsea without James? Well, um, yes, that too. Obviously. And I think that's kind of the issue that Potter's had, and 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 it's probably Potter has had a lot of the time here. He he just about maybe will stumble across something and then lose a player or lose another player and then have to rejig it all. And if you take out James from a back four, as Martin said, you then bring on as Pilaqueta. And as much as we all love what he's done for the club, and you know he's a complete legend, and there is a weakness there. And then you try and have to compensate. Maybe you compensate by then going to a back three to offer that bit more protection if you really want to play as P as a winger, uh, as a wing back. But then you lose the threat in the final third from that wide position. So this is the problem that Potter's faced throughout um, his tenure. And I do have some sympathy for him in this respect. Uh, I would like to see Chelsea stick with 4-3-3. I think that is the formation that's going to bring out the best of a lot of the attacking players. It's, you know, as a byproduct of of what JK was highlighting with Sterling and Pulisic staying wide, it opened up a lot more space in the middle of the pitch for Mount, who played who played well for the first yeah. half. I thought Zachariah brought in um, a physical presence into that midfield, which Chelsea have often been lacking over the last two, three seasons. Um, and as you say, Jorginho can't play as a single six. Thomas Tuchel said that, not me. Um, I agree, but someone far more learned football say you know Tuchel highlighted it brilliantly at one point in his tenure saying he doesn't have a physical profile to do it um and yeah maybe you look at that and he's got six months on his contract and go well there you go Chelsea are moving away from yes. from Jorginho they might maybe we'll start to move away from N'Golo Kante although there was an interesting report from um David Ornstein in the Athletic uh saying that there's a maybe sort of more optimism about Kante staying which I mean, in itself, is an interesting conversation given his fitness issues um, and committing to a new deal for for somebody who hasn't even completed two games for us this season. Um, but no, just going forward, I'd I'd like to see four three three stay. I think it say benefits a lot more players than it hinders. My only concern is how it works if Reese James isn't there because, as I say, as much as I love SP, he doesn't. I don't think I don't think he has the legs to play fullback, um, especially two games in a week. He certainly, he certainly doesn't. Sorry, J.K., you're about to say something. I was going to say, I know, I know that Potter flits about with with um, with different formations within within matches, as as all elite managers are prepared to do. But did he very often at Brighton play with the three and the two wing backs? I don't think he did. I think he played with a, with with four, and I think he had much more much more athletic midfield who actually can shoot as well. And I I see this pattern of something that he will adhere to which he will have to do for his own success, I actually think. I think it's essential because that's the way he likes playing and it makes them much more of a of an attacking force. I, I just think the, the dilemma with that is that um, Silver isn't protected as much either. And as you say, Jorginho is uh, absolutely um, out of the window for that. And uh, so uh, I agree completely. I think I think there has to be a revolution. Potter has well, to create a revolution, which looks to me as if it will happen. You, you and I have to say that we'll talk my... about this, I guess, in the transfer section. <laughs> no, we, indeed, we, we will. But I mean, J.K., I, I agree. But the trouble is, the scale of the revolution is so oh. immense. Oh well, well, yeah. But we're, if we're going back to two thousand and four, five, Chidge, they got rid of thirteen players and well, they got 13 players in. Now, yeah. it, it, 
if that is what is required to to create the elite club that that Clear Lake are after, in the same way that Abramovich did it, then that's well, what they're going to. There's do. one essential difference. There is one essential difference which we think we think that the new regime have bought into. And that, of course, is that there are far more and far better youth players now than there were in 2004-05. So maybe the, and also the data, the data. Yeah. The well, uh, yeah, but I'm not buying that bullshit. By the way, there's a very good, there's a very not not your bullshit, their bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I buy your bullshit every week, mate. And love, every love week, it. every day. It's change. the most every... fragrant smelling bullshit Aww, I've ever smelled. Thank you. But thank there's you. a there's some one of the lovely people on the Discord group put a podcast link up to a guy who's on the data team now, but was on the data team before this lot turned up. It's like oh, I'm I'm going to get into this in part two a bit more, but this kind of a that Chelsea didn't do anything about data before this lot turned up is absolute hokum. Um, yeah. Anyway, going back to the point I wanted to make, uh, I think Zakaria can do a job. I quite liked him. I was very intrigued by the amount of youth that we had on the bench, to wit. I can't actually read that with these glasses, but we had uh, Chaloba, I mean, we count him, Chukawakameka, Gallagher, uh, and uh, Hutchison, Thingy Bob, what's it, uh, Hall, and, and Barry Humphreys, apparently. Uh, not not quite. The, yeah, the ba- Basher. Basher, I love his name, actually. Basher Humphreys. That's a very young, youthful bench. I liked that a lot. But, I mean, the thing that really knocked me, Martin, was that um, Gallagher. I mean, come on. Why, why, why isn't he playing Gallagher? For fuck's sake. That's a strange one. I mean... He pretty much had a working holiday for the last month, didn't he? Well, that, he, that might he, be why. He's had no he, games, has he? For he, seemed to, he seemed to be you know, there as a good traveller type thing. He certainly, the minute he didn't have any involvement in the group stage, he's like the last minutes against Iran. He wasn't going to fe- feature in the England team. You know, maybe he's just not match sharp yet. He'll have plenty of opportunities to get games going forward. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be too worried about that. I would have liked to have seen him introduced a little bit sooner once it became clear we were dropping back a little bit too much for comfort because he offers a little bit more going forward. But he'll, he'll get his chance, so I'm not so overly concerned about stop that. Stop panicking, basically, Martin. Um, I would, I, yeah, I just wouldn't be too concerned. I mean, my concern, Zakaria has injury history, which yeah. we know of. He also took a fairly solid knock to the head in that game. He did. And... It was really. It was a. It, it, the the uh, knock to his head was so so big. He he, he, limped, it he made limped. him limp. He limped. Yeah, but he he was when he was getting treated. They were holding his head and neck areas. There was a little bit of concern about that. It was um uh, Doctor Christopher Nowinski who highlighted it on Twitter. Went into his usual um OTT tweets about head injuries there, where he I I disagree. I agree with his message. I don't always agree with his um. His method, you know, I think he would happily ban heading the football, and it it looked like it did look a little bit like a collision injury. And he he did look a little bit unconscious, mm-hmm. briefly. To wit, where's the fucking concussion substitutions? Hopefully, there's no. They after, have uh, to do that. They have to. Yeah, it's, it's just absurd. It, it's, it's absurd so... what they're doing, and you know, yeah. some some of those injuries that happened in the World Cup. I'm going back to the World Cup, even though I said I wasn't interested in it. With that. Um, oh. The with those goalie, bloke, yeah, yeah the, the goalie getting battered yeah, on and the yeah, things like fucking yeah. horrendous. Know. But, you know what they should do to make it a bit more interesting? Because you know they want they, 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 they everybody keeps talking about football needs to be more entertaining. You should have concussion substitutes, but you should have to bring on somebody who doesn't play in that position. So if if a goalkeeper gets concussed, has to go off. You have to put on a centre forward as the substitute. That would be hilarious, I, wouldn't it? I think they should just bring on fans in clown. Yeah, costumes. no, no, there we go. Or or, or as dressed as Stamford if it's at home. Yeah, yeah. Put, put, put the mask. <laughs> Got in, got. All the mascots yeah. need to come on. Can I just say a sec that um, 
I'm a bit bemused by by Gallagher because the pre uh, pre World Cup that his stats in the season have been revealed and he he's twenty percent better than everybody else at everything. It's almost yeah. like stats and data don't mean shit. Well, well I, agree, <laughs> I agree. At the same time, you know, he's done he's twenty percent more tackles, twenty percent more interceptions, twenty percent more shots. You know, and what do you what do you look well, at then? J.K. I still think. You know, if you get rid of Jorginho and have a decent six, somebody who can actually play there has the physicality and the mobility and the ability to pass, intercept and pass and move the ball forward, then I think you can play Gallagher and Mount as two number eights and a 4-3-3. For me, that is the future of Chelsea. But remember, Pat Nevin said that Jorginho was the best midfielder he'd ever seen. Yeah, but if you want to play possession-based football, blah, 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 and not playing a 4-3-3. Yes. Yes. Anyway, yes. listen, last thing I want to talk about on this. I can't really say, actually, can I say what I said in the notes? But I noticed this immediately. It wasn't just after the fact. I mean, the bottom line is we won 2-0, didn't we, Adam? I thought they played pretty damn well in the first half. I actually enjoyed it. Yes, it did go a bit pear-shaped when Reese James went off and Aspie came on. We're not surprised. And Bournemouth were trying to get back into the game. They were, you know, they weren't, they weren't giving it up. Yeah, the, 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 but the reality, the reality is, we should have been far. You know, we should have been four five up. Now, it's not just because we missed chances, because I thought we, we weren't too bad really. But the penalty on twelve minutes for Pulisic, and actually, I was quite polite. I just said, "What is it about bald refs?" I thought I'd said something far worse than that, but I didn't. So Hooper or whatever his name was, another another long line in rubbish bald refs. What is it about bald refs, uh, Adam? Oh, um, <laughs> you want me to present some theory? Yes, uh, I've got a theory. I've got a theory. I'll let JK take it then. Well, if you notice, one of the other referees, and I can't remember his name, is what's his, is it? What's his not Telemans? What's his name? What's his buddy name? Anthony Taylor. Taylor. You take, no, 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 not Taylor. Telemans. No, one of the other ones has shaved his hair, his head in sympathy. He's not actually bald oh. at all. Tierney. He, he, Tierney, absolutely. He's shaved his head just to be part of the club. Yeah. Yeah. They all want to do it. They all want to seem to be. They're all part of the same. The same baldy um, brigade. Uh, oh, it's, it's a cult. It's because it's a, no. You, can you I say, you, Chidge, can I just say a second. Was that not a typo? You saying cult? Indeed, <laughs> absolute typo. Yeah, the T was a typo. Helena, oh. Helena. The the um the whole the he made that decision on Pulisic. I what I what absolutely was absolutely on top of it from forty yards away. And he paid no attention. None of the linesmen did anything because they're all scared of making a decision and they, they don't want to do it because he is in charge. And what they're doing now, because of Howard Webb's new directive, is it's all down to the referee on the pitch. And if he makes a decision and he says, no, it's not a foul, even though he can't fucking see it, it stays. And that is what is happening. We have gone back into the dark ages of refereeing because of Howard Webb. He now lets them make the decisions on the pitch. It was obviously a penalty. He's 40 yards away from it. They are shit beyond belief. There we go. I love it. But back back for the first time since weeks. And JK, honestly, he's bust at least three blood vessels there, I can see. That's why he's sitting there like breathing heavily as a result of that rant. JK, welcome back. We Thank have missed you. you. I hate it. I know. If they were, it, 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 I mean, it was, I just thought it was quite Ridiculous. shocking. All right. Well, okay. We know, we know, we know. I Adam, know. Uh, uh, it, it, well, I thought it was quite shocking, the performance of the ref, I have to say. I mean, it was the Pulisic penalty, the disallowed goal, 
And then he gave a free kick uh, in the dying embers of the game, which actually, you know, you could have let, let, let Bournemouth back in. I still can't figure out what on earth he gave the free kick for. I mean, it's just, it's doing my head in, mate. Well, Potter was asked about it in his pre... He's not going to say anything, is he? He's not going to say. He's going to give a bland response. Well, yeah, but no, all managers will. All managers will. But what did he say, Adam? Uh, so what JK said. Our predecessor wouldn't have given a, a, a no. meek response. That's pretty no. why he got sacked. <laughs> Neither would Mourinho. I can't believe that we're talking about referees in our in our first show back. Now, listen, we're going to go for a quick break. But before we do, I have a very special announcement to make, which I haven't been able to make for six weeks. And therefore, some of you may have forgotten. But the next Chelsea Fancast live event at the Troubadour Club will be on Sunday, January the 15th at 4.30pm, right after the Chelsea versus Crystal Palace match. And our special guest will be friend of the show, Jason Cundy. Now, some of you might not remember this, but Jason played 58 matches for Chelsea between 90 and 92, scoring two goals, having having, uh, broken through from the academy and watching Chelsea from the terraces as a boy. He was Chelsea's Young Player of the Year in 1987 uh, and the supporters labelled him the club's best youth product since Ray Wilkins at the time. This is all true. Uh, He also played for England under-21s, three times scoring one goal. So actually, Jason could play football. uh, But uh, after, we won't say where he went to, but he went. Well, we didn't want him to go, did we? Um, We we spray-painted Bring Back Cundy on the stand, as I recall. But anyway. I did. After a spell, co- well, you can tell him that. After a spell coaching uh, at Chelsea's academy, Jason has become an accomplished pundit for Chelsea TV and Talksport. The latter doing a fine job defending Chelsea against a tsunami of red-tinted pundits and broadcasters. He's also a very, very good mate of mine. We go back a long, long way, and I've worked together with him on TV in many occasions. Uh, he's very entertaining, and he's very informative, and he's very opinionated. So you know, make sure you get a ticket. Join Jason, me and JK after the Palace match. The Troubadour is a great uh, venue. It's very intimate. It only has about 50, capacity of about 50 people. Uh, it's the perfect place for a post-match get-together and a, and a drink and a good opportunity to meet up with, the, well, most of the, most of us lot turn up. So, you know, go along. Really, really, you won't regret it. The, everyone we've done so far, we've done one with Pat Nevin, we've done one with Kerry Dixon, they've all been brilliant. Uh, and as I said, it's a really good way to spend about two or three hours after the game, or even if there's no game on, having a few drinks, listening to some really good Chelsea people. Tickets are 20 quid. They're available at ticket uh, www.ticketweb.uk. Doors open at four. So, I mean, obviously, the game will be kicking off at two. So it'll, you know, if it takes about 10, 15 minutes to walk down there. But that's why we're going to start at half four. Um, and we're going to be talking about the Chelsea Palace match, of course, followed by a Q&A with Jason on his Chelsea career and his, and his thoughts on modern-day Chelsea. As I said, he's very opinionated, so it'll be well worth the money. Do not miss it. There you go. Looking forward to it, JK? Oh, yeah, very much so. A great guy, Jason. Great and uh, really fluent. And um, uh, as you say, uh, uh, defends us wonderfully in, in a very articulate way. So he has some very good stories to tell. Right, he's got good stories, that's for sure. Martin, are you joining us for that one? Yeah, I am. Um, unfortunately, so... This is going to be a very busy day for some Chelsea fans because some bright spark at the FA decided to move the women's game against Arsenal, which was originally scheduled for the Saturday, to midday on the Sunday. And for anyone who was planning to go to both, well, that's out the window unless you can teleport. So um, we've got to choose. So 
whoever scheduled that needs a violent kick in the bollocks. And um, I've chosen to um, go to the Palace game. I suspect I'll regret that because the women's game could be a potential title decider. And I will pop along to the Troubadour after. But yeah, it's annoying because, you know, I was planning a double header that weekend, but um, a combination of the FA and Sky TV made it impossible. Yes, indeed. But yeah, like they don't give a shit about paying punters anyway. They do not. Um, Adam, uh, will we will we see you there? You're mo- most welcome to join us. Wait, what was the date? Well, it's after the Palace game, so that's January the fifteenth. No idea what I'm doing. Well, you'll be but at the game, won't you? I will be in all probability at the game. So there you go. Press duties afterwards. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that'll mm. be uh, taking up my time. But yeah, potentially. Yeah. Okay, well, you're mo- you let me know, uh, otherwise you'll have to buy a ticket. All right, we'll do. All right. Thank you. Okay, uh, we are going to go away and then we're going to come back. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the kind of Chelsea news that's doing the rounds at the moment, mainly transfer stuff. So I'd be interested to hear what Adam has to say about that because he's in the know, don't you know? And uh, also I want to have a rant about the the Egg Batty uh, interview that was on, on some weird American website. We'll talk about that too. Be back soon. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18+, plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am, of course, Stanford Chidge. It's the Friday night preview show, and I am joined, as ever, by his right honourable 
uh, Lord Privy Seal, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. I wonder what you were going to say there. I did too. Yeah, it was, it was a, a dive into the unknown, wasn't it? It was. It came up, it came up with Lord Privy Seal. I had no, no idea where my mouth would take me. I liked it, though. It's nice to be uh, the Lord of the Privy. Um, uh, yeah, lovely to be on the show, Church. Thank you. Already I've allowed, you've allowed me to vent my spleen. Yes. You've been splenetic tonight. Oh, that's better. Thank you. I like that. Yeah. And we've also got the wonderful Martin Wickham, my old mucker, Mr. Wickham. Good evening. All my spleen is intact. Good. Although, if you if you are going to talk about Mr. Agbahi later on, uh, that could change because okay. that interview hacked me off as well. It did. Yeah, it hacked me off. Uh, Adam Newson from Football London completes the quartet tonight. As always, Adam, delightful to see you, my friend. Good to see you guys too. And I may deliberately play devil's advocate later when we talk about that. Again. I know, I know, I know, I know you're very pro, but that's okay. We we have a broad range of opinions on this show. Before we go to that, let's talk a little bit about the transfer window. As you know, my favourite time of the year, not. Um, but it's, ba- I mean, basically what's happening, what will happen? I mean, my understanding of it, Adam is that we will probably need to deal with uh, a bit of firefighting. So Armando Broya, Wesley Fofana and Reese James are all injured. Kante still injured, of course. We might need to deal with those. So I understand that Chelsea are looking to sign a new centre-back, a right-back, a centre-midfielder and a forward. This we kind of already knew. In the summer, if, if, if this goes well in this window and they manage to do that in the summer, they're still going to look to follow it up with a new winger at least one more midfielder and a new goalkeeper and maybe even another centre-back. Now, what I also know, this is the rumours that I've picked up, mainly from His Royal Highness Simon Phillips, who I know is his finger on the pulse. Sometimes, no, all the time. He, he, do, he does the hard work, so we all don't have to. Anyway, Enzo Fernandez, who, of course, uh, won, has just won the World Cup with uh, Argentina. He's a central stroke defensive midfielder for Benfica. Moses Kaikado has been mentioned. He's similar position for Brighton. Benoit Badiashil uh, is a centre-back from, Mono- uh, from, from Monaco. David Fafana is a centre-forward from Mulder, from the Ivory Coast. Andre Santos is another kind of six-type player, but he's also box-to-box. He's young and one for the future. Possible Kante replacement. He plays for Vasco da Gama. I mean, one thing I have noticed, Adam, is that all the people that have been mentioned are all very young. They're all kind of early 20s, which I think is interesting. What is the reality with all of that rumour that I've picked up there? Oh, I have to take a massive deep breath. Right. Well, that's good, because I normally have to take a massive dump at this stage. So. Well, I can help you out, because the Fafana one's already been announced, oh, hasn't right, it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's done. Enzo Fernandez, uh, Chelsea are very much in talks with Benfica over signing him. Uh, they're prepared to pay an absolutely astronomical fee. Um, 20 million? Euros. That's his release clause. Chelsea may go above that. Uh, so basically, if you want to pay a release clause, you give them the money there and then. Chelsea are like, well, that's an awful lot of money to just give you in one lump sum. We'll maybe give you a bit more if we then do it in installments. That's kind of where it is. Chelsea are very much trying to talk about the structure of the deal with Benfica. But the reality is, if they agree, he'll become Chelsea's club record signing, um, which will, you know, probably not a bad thing. The last one didn't work out that well. Um, so it'd be good to replace that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that a tournament reaction or were they scouting him prior to the World Cup? 
So I think they were already looking at him. Um, I'm not sure if he was one of... So, you know, you've probably heard that Chelsea drew up this list of, of players for, in the part of the Vision 2030 thing with, with Neil Bath and the academy and, and basically plotting a big plan of where Chelsea will be. Um, and on this list, there's a massive list of young players, very high potential young players in their opinion. And I believe he was one of those included. Um, so he's been known for a while. He's gone to Benfica in the summer. I think he's only played 24 games for Benfica, but has absolutely smashed it by all accounts. I'm not going to pretend I've watched Benfica every single game, um, but did watch him at the World Cup. Looked very, very strong. So I don't think it is just a reaction to the World Cup, um, but I think that may have accelerated uh, people or clubs trying to get him. So Chelsea trying to do it now. I just noticed his Argentinian career. There was the magnificently named Defensa y Justicia. <laughs> no way. That's a made-up yeah. name. No, it <laughs> translates as how you think. I, th- I think it's a team linked to the um, Defence and Justice Department. It's like, a great name. So I think, you don't know, tell <laughs> me. I bet you he makes people disappear in the midfield. Well, we've had a midfielder's disappearing oh, for years. So. <laughs> right, rescue me from that terrible joke, JK. Well, I just want to say that because we have so many uh, digital gurus now attached to the club and Brighton, if you remember, appeared to have this great South American connection mm. because they've, they've got three um, top midfielders. Oh, McAllister. Uh, McAllister yeah. being one of them. Um, the, uh, um, he will have been on the radar for some time. And, and you hope that due to the fact that they are these, these they've got what they've got in the club and they, that's what big, what's his name, um, Egg Bali was so rude about the fact they're not being a digital footprint with the club, um, that this this will mean that he was already on the list, as you said, Martin. So that looks pretty reasonable to me. Um, but, and, and I hate to crow about this, but this is exactly what I said would happen um, if they wanted to rescue the club season, is they just have to buy all these players. And because of the number of occasions that they are, they are um, interviewed, Clear Lake, as as a business, um, and they have to discuss their um, Chelsea being part of their investments, it has to be seen to be making progress. And obviously they can get money from everywhere. So I, I, I see in order them to carry on for Chelsea to be an elite club um, and, and with the, the aspiration for being the best club in the world and then getting a billion dollars a year, which is what he said. He said in a symposium early on this year, at the beginning of the season, um, uh, Burley, they have to buy a large number of players this January in order to be still in competitions and not to fall down the league and actually make progress in the Champions League. That's my was my view earlier on, and and it, this is just actually um, emph- for me. This has emphasised this is what will happen, and the the fact that poor old Potter is scrabbling about having to find um, replacements from the players he's got to play in positions that are where where there are injuries will not be allowed to happen anymore and he will fill all these positions in this January transfer window as far as I can see it's just a question of of then how they get rid of everybody else because this is part one of the plan that I can see well that's everybody in very good point JK and, and Adam to square that circle that's what I understand because, I mean, the first thing that we all want to cry, particularly that stupid spotty little prick who's a Brentford fan but masks the rage as, as tra- transfer news who's basically united the Chelsea fan base on Twitter this afternoon quite h- hilariously. 
but they're all crying FFP, FFP. But I think the the bottom line is that a combination of big sponsorship deals and selling a lot of players in the summer will balance the books they're in. How likely and, and massive contracts because like massive, every yeah. every deal there used to be three year, four year deals. Yeah. Now it's six year, seven years. So they amortise it, it over six you, um, years. Yeah, but you used the wank word. I didn't. They spread it out over the number of years, and it shows up as less on per year. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He does that with the baseball team. Yeah. They're all on huge but, but JK, JK, Chelsea have been doing that for. We'll get into the, the yeah. egg baddie thing in a minute because it's relevant to that. But Adam, how likely are they? You know, because this is the thing. I, I think there's a there's a there's almost like a suspension of disbelief in a sense with transfer windows. We see these lists of players. We just assume that we're going to get them. Like there's going to be no other clubs going in for them. It's 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 insanity. So the question I have to I have three questions for you. One is. Um, how likely is it we're going to get everybody that we want? Secondly, um, is spunking a load of money on overpriced players really the plan? I mean, surely, you know, either you get who you want that you've targeted, and if you don't get them, you wait. And, you know, you don't just panic buy. And thirdly, what does this say about the likelihood of impeding the progress of some very good youth players that we've got? I mean, you know, Chuka Wakamaka and uh, Hutchinson and Gallagher, just to name but three, Cassidy is another one, perhaps, that were also bought with a view to fast-tracking them through to the first team. What I mean, it, it put, put it this way, Adam, in short, it sounds no less chaotic than it ever was under Raymond. Yeah, I don't think that's unfair right now. Um, of course, the grand plan is that it will become more organised longer term, but I do think... I don't think Chelsea will get every single player they want. I don't think any club ever gets every single player they want. Um I think there may be an element of Chelsea hedging their bets a little bit here as well with January, because as JK has made the point, yes, you want to you want to build the squad out, you want to improve it to help with that top four challenge and get into the Champions League next season. But if you fail in getting into the top four, but you've already got three or four players in this January who what you would consider top tier then you take away that problem of not being able to offer Champions League football for next season. And it'd be non impossible to get them in the summer if you failed on the Champions yeah. League. So you bring yeah. it forward to hedge against. Okay, that makes sense. No. I'm just slightly uncomfortable about of signing a player who I keep misreading his name as bad shite. But that's... bad Yeah, Benoit Badiash. Um, yeah, that sounds, again, another one that, that actually seems to be making progress. Um, another 21-year-old defender... Maybe I have a little bit more concerns about this just because of Levi Colwell, who, uh, if you haven't seen Levi Colwell play, try and watch a Brighton game over the next couple of weeks. He is ridiculously talented. Um, And I do think someone... And to be fair, from the noises I had last summer, you know, the only shit know who are the standout young players in the the system and who are coming through. Um, And there was, you know, there was a chance Colwell left last summer and it was the ownership who stepped in and said no so well, Silver, Koulibaly and Aspilicueta aren't going to be there forever so he will I would imagine get his chance I haven't I haven't watched any Brighton games I saw a few propagandists going a little bit ape shit on Twitter but then I looked at, they, were, they were playing Charlton and I just thought with the greatest respect I'm not going to go mad over a player looking impressive against a League One team just yet so probably needs a little bit more experience Speculation on my part. I'm, I'm intrigued to see the second half of the season for Koulibaly. Um, because yeah, he, looked, he, looked, he looked very ropey 
like on Tuesday. I was quite concerned by that. To, to the point to, he, to the point where he made Tiago look nervous. He doesn't really fit in with the overarching approach that they want to take. Um he was a signing very much made because Thomas Tuchel said, Well, we need a Rudiger replacement, we can get Kulabali and and you know, he's a very much proven high level centre back. So if if he has an absolute storming second half of the season, then fine. Um, if he continues in this vein, then it might be one they look at. Again, that's more just discussion point from my from my area rather than having clear information on that. Um, but they will know. Last point, Chidge was what the younger players. Um, yeah, it's it's a concern, I guess. But as I say, they they do know who the younger players are of high potential, and it is kind of the responsibility of the the, the recruitment team to be able, and, and this is the grand plan, to be able to plot that you know in two years' time this is how the squad will look in theory with these players. In three years, we know it will be this. I can't tell you if it's going to work out. It will only take, in time, will we find out if it works. True enough. But they will know, Adam, whether players are, are descending into averageness because of the stats, because they're so concerned with that. So if Koulibaly isn't isn't providing um, the, the right level of uh, of engagement or athleticism, which is at the moment is the case, he won't be figuring. And I, I think they'll be quite draconian about it, actually, because that's what they need to do. They can't just give him a go thinking, oh, well, he'll improve. They'll have to start getting... Uh, he, he's too old for that. Yeah. That, you know, his, his experience and age and, and track record, Adam, you, you buy a player like Koulibaly to hit the ground running. You yeah. don't buy him to take a year or two to get used to the Premier League, mate. Of course. The only counterpoint is, obviously, he's on a four-year contract <laughs> on decent money. So, yes, you may come to the conclusion next summer that it hasn't quite worked. Kalidou, let's see if we can get you a move. He yeah. could very turn around and say, well, actually, I'm on a contract for the next three two years. Two words. Maybe. Winston Bojada. Right, but... yeah. Um, listen, very quickly, Adam. Um, obviously, we know that Kante and uh, Jorginho's contracts are up in the summer. Uh, Jorginho wants more money and he's on too much money to go back to Napoli, which is apparently where he's supposed to be going. And apparently, David Ornstein, as you were saying, reckons that they are close to signing Kante again. I mean, I'll be very honest with you. I, th- I think it's time for Jorginho to go. If we really want to rebuild and make the team play in a different way, you know, it's time for him to move on. He's been a great servant for the club. Let's not, not let's not uh, deny that. Uh, but I think maybe it's time for him to go. And I have to be f- honest and say I think it is for Kante too. I mean, marvellous though he is, he's no use to anybody if he can't play. And he can't play at the moment. And that's been the case for the last two years, really. Hmm. What surprised me about Kante is I did, I genuinely did think, and, and from speaking to people, that they were going to wait until he got back to fitness um, to then have the contract talk. Um, of course, the risk is once he enters January, he's free to discuss terms with anyone else. And I can understand the fear in the back of the minds of, of Bowley and Ibali looking at Kante and going, you know what, if he gets fit, though, and is able to stay fit, yeah. and he goes off to Barcelona or Real Madrid, and and suddenly gets back to his best, then you, you're looking at it and going, ah, maybe we got that one wrong. Because we know how transformative he can be when he's fit and playing well. Um, he's Reese James-like. He, without without him, Chelsea don't win the Champions League under Tuchel. No. I'm absolutely convinced by that. But so that was, two, that was two years ago. Yeah. Right, if, here's a question for you, Adam. 
Jude Bellingham or N'Golo Kante? Uh, that's a good question. It is a good uh, question because Bellingham is 19 yeah. and Kante is 30. I would... I don't think Chelsea will end up getting Bellingham. No, no, nor do I, but you, you get the point I'm making. Uh, yeah, I, I get the point you're making and I completely think it's a valid one. As you're talking about a refresh, moving the squad forward, yeah. you've got a 31-year-old Kante, you've got a 30-year-old Jorginho. It's a natural break point at the end of their contracts. Yes, it's frustrating that you'd lose two good midfielders and not get a fee, um, but it is a natural end point. So it's a tricky one. I think Jorginho... Yes, he offers some uh, some qualities. He, he, you know, he doesn't have the physical profile. He is very good around the dressing room. Bowl accounts is one of the sort of core leaders of the squad. But is that enough? Probably not. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if both end up going. But if Kante does stay, I'll be fascinated to know the terms of the contract. Mm, so it's got I. breakdown cover or something like that. It's got AA insurance. <laughs> In the same way, though. Don't you think they might entice Bellingham by offering him a ludicrous amount of money? Because I get the impression that that is what they want to do. But if well, initially, initially, just to get them where they are, you know, well, I just not, I, not if they don't make the Champions League. Not if they don't make the Champions League. If they've signed Enzo Fernandez as well for yeah, yeah, and they want and and, and been reassured that they're still interested in Rice. Because they see him as, yes. as a six who yes, will sit yes, there. Yes, yes. I mean, uh, Chelsea, the, the ownership has a lot of money, but there does come a certain reality to it at some point. But they, but they, they have so many companies. They don't have a, a, lot, a lot of money. They have a huge amount of but money. But they can't spend it all because they'd still have to adhere to FFP to a degree. They do. And it, and there's just the, there's also just the clubs. If with the best will in the world, of all the money in the world, if Bellingham gets an offer from Real Madrid. He's going to Real Madrid. And I I think with just very quickly on the likes of Kante and Jorginho, I think some of the natural landing points for them have have gone as well. Because Barcelona have mucked themselves up financially by not making the Champions League knockouts, which is hilarious, but um, that screws them money-wise. Juventus seem to be under all sorts of investigations now. God knows what was going on there. So that probably takes one of Jorginho's landing points off the board as well so it's just not so much it's where they go afterwards because I don't th- I think if Jorginho's holding out for more money he's not going to get it anywhere well, else the, the be- him at Lazio, wouldn't yeah, but the beautiful thing is that their contracts are up in June so the the aren't the easy answer is you don't renew it in, in my book but there you go now listen in, we- in, in one case I'd agree with that yeah maybe li- not the other yeah listen it kind of does segue very much into this Bedad Agbali interview which was with Sportico which is a high quality uh, their words not mine uh, American digital content company providing sports industry breaking news data data information information strategies leadership and insight so the first thing I'm going to say is it's another case of the leadership at the club talking to an American organization about what their plans are not to us it's about time you started talking to us, people. All right? It's our fucking club, not yours. Secondly, uh, there was this. Not terribly well managed on the football, sporting or promotional side under Roman Abramovich. This is, I got most of all this from Ben Jacobs, by the way, who went through the article and paraphrased it. 
Uh, as previously reported, new owners were surprised by the lack of data they inherited and the disconnected internal structure of the club. Now, all right. I mean, I could read you. I could bore you with all the stupid stuff. I mean, basically, what they're saying is, I mean, a couple of things I, I wanted to pick out: the belief that 2.3 billion purchase price is a bargain, and thus the club globalizes and modernizes, plus naturally succeeds on the field. Profit will come quite fast. They're going to do this by expansion of the brand, optimizing partnerships, and things like digital content. Uh, but it's got to go hand in hand with football success. In other words, you know, you don't get any of this unless you win. So that kind of backs up all the things that JK was saying. They think that uh, a lot of things that clubs like F- the FSG Group and, Ab- and, and, M- and Manchester City are doing have been done much better there than they have with us. You could agree that's probably true. Classic old American trope. Uh, we think European sports are probably 20 years behind US sports in terms of sophistication on the commercial side. So basically everything, it's not telling us anything we don't know. That they are gonna they're gonna squeeze this club commercially until the pips squeak. They were always going to do that. This is what American clubs do. This is another thing that I was quite curious about. Uh, Amazon also believe Chelsea are open to an all or nothing documentary. I should should have put this in block capitals. An idea that was flatly dismissed under Abramovich. Uh, Egbali basically wants to monetize content at all levels. I mean, you know, they will do this. They will absolutely do this because they're going to try and make money out of this club any way they possibly can because they see it as a business venture. None of this is news to us. But what I have to say, my beef with this is, uh, I mean, you know, I'm not happy that they're going to completely commercialise Chelsea and rip the soul out of it like all sports American sports owners do with their clubs. I'm afraid this is a fact. Uh, the soul gets ripped out of them as a consequence because they become money-making machines. My real beef with it is that I'm fed up with this narrative that they've been doing since they took it over, saying everything under Abramovich was bad, wrong, and uh, incompetent, and everything that we're going to do is great. Yes, it was nuts. Yes, it was a circus, but we won 21 trophies in that time. You haven't won diddly fucking shit yet, so shut the fuck up until you've got your trophies on the table. All right? That's my rant. Adam? very fair um, <laughs> that's the last the last thing i expect to be called ever <laughs> yeah i i no, i understand your point um <laughs> i think the it was not well managed on a football sporting side i think you can argue there's some truth in that yeah um and I guess there's a question here, and I'm not trying to... Sorry, Adam, I'm going to just butt in on just very quickly on that point, because I think, I think you make a good point. And yet, and yet, Marina Granovskaya won Football Director of the Year award because she was so bloody good at what she did, and she was widely recognised and heralded as such. So the football management of the club can't have been that bad. I, I will ask you guys, and I'll put it to you. Given the... And I'm definitely not trying to say the Abramovich year was crap. It really wasn't. It was the best time to be a Chelsea fan in many of our lives. Not taking that away at all. We enjoyed stuff we never envisaged. But do you feel Chelsea were successful enough, given especially early in the Abramovich era, the financial advantages they had? Now, my view is that maybe if Chelsea were better organised, more well-run, they could have been in a position that City are now in and basically look very much like they're going to dominate for decades because of the structure they put in place, 
the longer term vision that they had, it wasn't so reactive, it was more proactive. And City are now going to reap the benefits of that for a long, long time. Maybe when Guardiola goes, it does drop off a little bit naturally. But I think, and I'm not trying to just blindly defend these guys, I do think that's probably what they're more intimating, that yes, Chelsea have enjoyed success, but there wasn't the structures in place to ensure that for the advantages they had, that they were successful in as the as they could have been, basically. So what you, so what you're saying is you you think they didn't it, when they had a it, the advantage of say 2005 2006 they didn't inculcate that and are now paying for it. I partly agree with that. Um, what I don't like so I'm I'm zeroing in on two words on the not terribly well managed. And it is football and sporting. You cannot tell me that a club that when they were given it, it was a forced takeover, were reigning world and European champions on the men's side, on the women's side had won back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-fucking-back league titles and FA Cups and what have you, on their youth side have produced players, even if they don't necessarily make it at Chelsea, make solid professional careers and have facilities at Cobham that were state-of-the-art, world-class, the perfect school for any parent of a young footballer to allow their children to make a career you cannot tell me that that was not terribly well managed on the football and sporting side on the promotional side I would agree but I don't give a fuck about the promotional side I don't want to see our players in fucking noodle adverts and proving they can't act and shit like man you were doing in these those weird wine adverts that had Wayne Rooney you know not exactly troubling JK in the thespian states. No, that was Sam Allardyce, mate. (laughs) Um, But, um, you know, I I can't accept that remark. And he may have been paraphrased, he may have been misquoted. And if he was, I will revise that opinion. But I just, I can't, I cannot accept this idea that they've come into this club for five minutes, are trying to year zero everything and gaslight people into believing that they took over some fucking shambles. At the moment, we are still the reigning club world champions. That will obviously probably go in February, but we're still there. We were doing well on the pitch. We were in third place up until the fucking sanctions screwed everything up. The only thing they have done as an ownership thus far tangible is sack a manager from on the surface for not taking part in the WhatsApp group. So I think they need to speak less, do more. And when they've come back with you know, tangible differences, I accept that will take time. Then we'll talk. Right now, all I see is Bedagig Bali, who I think is the power behind the throne, quite frankly. I think Todd Bowley's this lovely, goofy-looking fucking front man. And I don't see anything they have done thus far to justify the amount of fucking lip they're coming out with. I'm not going. I don't want to go down the whole Gary Neville xenophobia route. Was like all American money is bad. That is completely wrong. But I think they need to, you know, wind the necks in a little bit and just produce something tangible before they start telling everyone else how everything was being done wrong previously. Yeah, much more eloquent than me with less fucks. I have to applaud you for that, Martin. Um, uh, that was that was the second edit. There were, a, you know. <laughs> um, you know, I, I have issues with the way that the takeover was forced through, and I think well, they I, I think show they, a little they, bit. They need to show a little bit of humility on that. Totally front. right. And I was the one thing I didn't mention, which was I was going to say, is that they need to remember that no, none of us wanted them. 
None of us had any say in them becoming here. They only got it because the government decided to make, you know, an example out of Roman. So, you know, they need to remember why they're here. You know, they're not the great white hope. They're here because they lucked out. And, if, you know, if if uh, if the government hadn't, you know, got its knickers in a twist about the whole Ukraine thing, we'd still be under Roman laughing at chaos and trophies. So they need to remember that. JK, you've been very quiet, largely because we've all been talking. No, no, but I, I, I agree. I liked your, uh, I liked your views very much. I, I, I think um, what I was going to say at the beginning was I, I think one of the the areas you could say they didn't progress with was creating the dynasty that should have been created. I agree after, with Adam on after, that too. Well, after, after two thousand and five six, I think well, that the, we, we were screwed out of two Champions League finals. Indeed, by corrupt I, refereeing. So I agree, but that the uh, trouble uh, was also is that UEFA objected hugely to the possibilities of of it of it happening. So there was a there was an agenda going on. Oh, a little little hello there. Lovely. Lovely. <laughs> um, I didn't hear all that swearing. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, so uh, um, and also, um, I have a, um, a solicitor friend who said that there are aspects of the club that were actually uh, uh, hugely actionable. Um, uh, that were that he he wouldn't tell me. He wouldn't let. But he what in the previous regime? In the previous regime, that were yeah the way the club was run, which Adam is nodding yes, which I think are, are, are known amongst certain of us that um, were appalling. Um, but uh, that's just something that arose because I think that Roman wasn't, you know, wasn't hands-on. Well, I mean, things. look, I don't think any of us can deny that a yeah. lot of what Adam said I would agree with. I mean, I think you and I, we're getting into this now, aren't we? Because we've just done 2005-06. But yes. there was no doubt that actually we underachieved. Uh, but I think we underachieved because there was never allowed to be a plan because ultimately what happened was Roman would change his mind. You know, no, that... and, also, and also Jose didn't want to be with the club. You could yeah. tell that he was, he was losing it in some way. Whereas I think if he'd been associated, I think the original decision was that the view was that he would keep on managing the club for as long as possible yeah. and be part of, in, in the Guardiola way, be part of the creation of this dynasty. But his... his um, Alex Ferguson his... having a second wind as well, once yeah. he'd bedded in the, his own transition. Yeah, yeah, it was, but the slightly psychotic nature of Jose meant that this wasn't going to happen. You know, him hurling his medal into the ground after the into the crowd after the second uh, purchase. It was a purchase. Well, it was a purchase. The second <laughs> that was Freud and mate. Was Freud, wasn't it? <laughs> Absolutely, it's all the coming second, out now, J.K. Out, the second purchase of the of the, of uh, the Premier of League the, of, the, of the Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> Just made you think. Well, actually, you know, perhaps this is going to be rather ephemeral, but. Um, uh, um, but but Chidge, as you said, it's absolutely obvious that they're going to come in and, and want to, to some extent, diss to change the history in order that they have their recreate their world. Well, then add to it. Yeah, indeed, indeed. But but you know, I, I I'm sorry. Well, we'll get onto this in a minute. I think the major error they've made is the figurehead they have appointed is completely the wrong one for this this transition period into a new Chelsea. And I, I, I fear, I don't fear, I believe they will keep all the people they've appointed and slowly but surely edge him out because it cannot happen. You cannot have a man who is just, he was like a rabbit in the sodding headlights. You know what you think, Adam, in the presser? We're going to get onto this now. But Not to me, quite, because I've got one more quote I want to read you. One more, one more go. We'll get onto it in a second, Adam. You can disagree with me. But I, I viewed this at the time. And he's a man who has to have lessons in how to speak to the press for goodness sake. Anyway, um, Adam, 
let me read this out because it relates in a way to what JK was saying and then by all means come back because it's you, you need a right of reply because we've all, all three of, we haven't hammered you but we've all come back quite strongly and I'm aware of that Egg Bally at the end of his interview gave insight into why Chelsea are so impressed by Brighton well why didn't you buy them then you mugs anyway uh, we hired a coach from Brighton uh, that would be Potter and we think they are one of the best run teams in the Premier League the owner is from a sport gaming data background Tony Bloom spends 10% of the payroll, wins almost as much as those who spend far more, and has a very stable, mid-market, mid-table, very profitable club. None of that sounds controversial at all on face value. But, you know, we don't want to be a stable, mid-market, mid-table, very profitable club. We want to be a batshit insane club full of culture <laughs> and history that wins trophies. Yes, they want us to be uh, the top tier version of Brighton, basically, which is very well run, very competitive. Um, and just access to all these other markets. Yes. And they want to do that at the top scale, though. They don't want Chelsea to be Brighton. They want Chelsea to to emulate Brighton, but at a better level um, and on a more lucrative le- lucrative level, of course, for them. Um, and you, I, I, I'm not just here sat as a cheerleader for them. I'm, oh, no, I'm really. Oh, no. um, ah, you're on the payroll, damn it, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> it's an agenda. I'm on the payroll of Bowley. I'm on the payroll of Rice. I'm on the payroll of Mason Mount. Ah, yes. You're, you're Mason Mount's PR agent, aren't you? Fucking hell, you're loaded, mate. That's a I lot of payrolls. I can't get out. It's just, yeah, well, that's, that's South London for you. <laughs> um, I, I, look, I, I'm not going to argue with anything you guys said because I fundamentally do agree, but I also feel that, and and I'm not, and I can't, I can't give a, a definitive answer to this. It is going to be proof over time i think that they are trying to do the right things they are going to try and do things that are logical um and hopefully it gets chelsea back to a point where they can compete against uh, you know a state-backed club like manchester city who do have almost unlimited resources and have put in all the structure over the last decade to make the very very most of that and i hope that chelsea get back to that level because it's difficult to see uh, we you know under Abramovich, the last what five, six, seven years, Chelsea were great in the cups, yeah. won a league title, and the title we won in the league though we weren't playing in Europe. So the last time we were competitive in both Europe and the Premier League in the same season would be twenty fourteen fifteen. When 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 Mourinho won the title, Mourinho, we got, second spell, we got yeah. to the semi-finals of the Champions League that year. If you remember, I mean, look, yeah. I, I I agree with you too, Adam. I I I want to see them make a success of it. I really do. Of course, I do. Because if they're successful, then Chelsea are, and I'm happy. I'm a Chelsea supporter. What all I'm saying is, you know, think about what you're saying. Treat us with some respect as supporters, and don't think that we're stupid. You know. Because we're not stupid. We know the club better than you do. We've been watching it for 50 years, some of us. So don't gaslight us. Don't treat us as idiots and give us some respect. Other than that, we're with you 150% because we all want the same thing. We want a successful club. But I I do think, you know, one of the things that they they don't understand, actually, um, is that we could have perhaps become far more commercial in the way that we did things at the club 
Roman didn't do it. Roman didn't do it because he didn't feel that he had to. And actually, there were occasions when Roman listened to us and he decided that the culture and the history of the club was more important. You know, most supporters will tell you that the last thing that they wanted was for us to do an all or nothing because it just makes us look like a banter club. Roman knew that, which is why he said no. This lot don't care about that, is my view. And that's the difference. All right? I've got, sorry, cut in. I mean, I'm slightly concerned with these models they seem to be subscribing to. So they've mentioned Brighton, obviously they seem to think that you apply this model with a, a better tier of players, you will get better results. They seem to also think the same about the Red Bull model, which seems to be why they've got all of these um, directors from there. And I think to a lesser extent, Monaco, because one of the technical hires previously worked there. Red Bull, RB Leipzig, Monaco, Salzburg, but that's in the Austrian League they're not really competitive domestically either. So they, you know, they get as far as Bayern Munich and, you know, Bayern Munich dominate Germany, PSG dominate France. Now PSG obviously are state owned, Bayern Munich aren't. But it seems like those ones only get so far. Now, I'm concerned that you apply these models and these practices and you just get as far as the other other teams have because ultimately you're coming up against the same thing, which is, a state back two state back teams now in Man City and Newcastle. So I feel, I'm not sure it's going to be as um, well, that, that's, rewarding that's the as they say. And I mean, the I know, other, I know, sorry, I know Foley's spoken highly of FSG as well and what they've managed to do with Liverpool on a on a on a more restrictive budget than compared to City. But even Liverpool now dropped off a bit. Yeah, a little, yeah. So, that, so that is the challenge. Can 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 they put in? a structure and a longer term plan that enables Chelsea to compete against clubs like Man City season in season out over time and I don't know it is so difficult to do that I, I am skeptical especially because City have done it well they they're yeah. not just spunking money everywhere they actually have put in everything that they needed to to make sure that they continue to win titles and I also I also don't like the talk of multi club models but that's a personal dislike yeah, well, although that makes idea. a lot of sense commercially in the way that football's going, but I understand what you're saying. JK, final word. I'd, I'd, I'd be happy if we just competed. At the moment, we just don't look as if we're going to compete mm. with any. I mean, I'm going to get the final word because you, your, your point was so good, I can't resist. Um, exactly on that point. I mean, I think if you're going to have a reset and you're going to do everything really differently and you're going to you know, rip up the Roman model, then I would be very happy to see you know, a Chelsea full of kids that have played, you know, grown up through the academy, who get it, who love the club, who want to play for the club, who've got an abundance of talent and will give it a go. And if we if we don't win the league or a cup, whatever, but if they give it a go and they give it everything, I'm going to go home happy every week because I'm seeing players who care for the club as much as I do, per se. I mean, and that hasn't been the case for a long time. And I mean, what that is an error of the Roman era that they we bought a lot of you know, mercenaries, frankly, who were here for the paycheck. And that's what, I mean, I can't remember a Chelsea side that I dislike as much as the current side. Right? If you see what I mean. And that's with two U-team players, isn't it? And that's with two, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we're doing all these 50 years at the moment. We've just done 2004, 5 and 5, 6. And we look at those teams and we just think, I loved so many of those players, even though some of them were mercenaries. But we loved them because they gave, they were great and they gave everything. I don't get the vibe. I mean, you know, they were also really good. Whereas, the, you know, the players at this side, I mean, I actually put in my notes, although this was early on before the, the, the match 
petered out uh, into a pretty comfortable win. It's great when you're starting with at least two players, Pulisic and, and Jorginho, who don't want to be here, and at least three, Koulibaly, Cucurella and Sterling, who wish they'd never come. That's the impression one gets. That's half the team. You know, that's where we are at the moment. So, you know, give me give me kids that have grown up in the academy who are arguably as good, if not better, and who probably care more. Anyway, this one, I think, is going to run and run and run. But I think we made the point, and I'm going to let you, JK... I'll tell you what, do you want to do the Potter Presser in part three when we talk about the Newcastle, uh, the Newcastle, the Nottingham Forest game? Will Adam still be here? If Adam wants to be, he's... I'll in- stay on for you, JK. There you go. See, he wouldn't have done that for me. So there you go. Right, we're going to be back very, very shortly. Don't go away. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, and I am, of course, Stanford Chidge, and uh, uh, I have with me the absolutely delectable Jonathan Kidd. Oh, you matron. And uh, we've also got the absolutely fabulous Martin Wickham and the incredibly knowledgeable, long-suffering and very patient Adam Newsom from uh, Football.London. I've got to work out how Leicester are beating Liverpool here. Fuck's sake. They, no, they're not. Seriously. They are. They, did you not see me burst out laughing silently in the last part? That was when they took the lead. Because I've got Liverpool to hammer them in the Premier League predictions. So, oh, of course, of course you they're... wankers. Yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. And, of course, I've put Darwin Nunes in my fantasy team because I'm a double idiot. Unbelievable. I think I put them for a 1-1 draw. No, you might have a chance. Unbelievable. He started, did you say? Yeah. Oh, fuck's sake. So you don't you don't know you don't know what you're missing with the uh, Chelsea Fancast Prem Predictions League, Adam. You too could get royally embarrassed uh, like <laughs> me every week. So yeah, I've got three nil for Liverpool and two uh, one for West Ham. Bloody hell. Enough already. Right, we're gonna talk about Chelsea's match, which is of course far more important than uh, either of these two matches. We've got Notting Nottingham no, Forest. No, 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 we're talking about the presser first. No, we are, but I'm introducing it. And the presser will include information, no doubt, about Nottingham Forest versus Chelsea. I'm just looking at your list. It says number four. Potter yeah, but we're not in that. We're in part three, <laughs> you great idiot. I know we're in part three, but what it looks to me as it's if... It's called been... it's called editing in your head as you go along, JK. It looks to me as if it's Shut been up. Left right, out. Nottingham Forest v Chelsea, the preview. And because he's so desperate to talk about the presser, because no, actually, no, because he watched it, unlike me. And I mean... JK, take it away. Tell us about the Potter presser. Well, he was on and he was off. Okay. It was only seven, Moving, was only on. Seven, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> it was only seven minutes, but now revealing that it was actually after, after the Bournemouth game, it makes me think that that was probably the reason for it. But um, he really has to take some lessons. I know he was slightly more aggressive, but, you know, we have to keep improving. For fuck's sake, shut up. I mean, what is this? This is kind of sort of this is B team talk. This is this is Brighton Championship talk. He's just 
He's, he's like a rabbit in the headlights. And he's talked about not being under pressure. Complaint about, he said, we can't really complain about the injuries. Then blames the sodding injuries. He says the exact opposite that he just said he won't talk about and blames them, saying that's the problem he's got. And it's it's as tough as it's been at my time, ever, ever. Well, you're a, supposedly an elite manager, sodding sorted out. Play some people who shouldn't normally play. What? He did say in response to that quote, it's been a real tough period, as challenging as there has been in my time as a coach. But yeah. but we're Chelsea and people don't want to hear those reasons. Indeed, absolutely. But why did he say it? Why did he say that? What, what for? Truth. I'm sorry, I can't. I'm trying not to be prejudiced because, you know, <laughs> I think I think he's a git. I'm I think you don't to... like him, JK. No, I'm I, don't, be honest. I don't like him. I don't like him at all. No, I don't like him because I love Tuchel. I love Tuchel. Tuchel is was is is a demigod to me. Tuchel was the most is witty. Tuchel was witty. There is no wit in there's not an ounce of wit in this man. And if we don't have a wit, you're not intelligent enough. You're not intelligent enough to run this club. We are a completely elite club. I cannot it's the worst most un you know, I'd rather have Scolari with his kind of sort of not really understanding anything and looking. At least he had a great deal of personality and he won the sodding World Cup with Brazil. You know, I'd rather have I'd rather have 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 um, sodding what's his features who were uh, who got um can't remember his bloody name, who had Ten Hag as his coach. What was his name? Um God, I if, um I've, I've got rid of him. The uh the the uh, Israel manager, what was his name? Avram Grant. Yeah, rather yeah. Hank Ten Kate, not Eric Ten Hag. Oh, sorry, not Ten Hag. It's sorry. a bit like having Ranieri again, isn't it? Sorry, yeah. No, God, Ranieri for fuck's sake! No, Ranieri was just that was just a. Anyway, look, what else anyway, happened in the presser? You've got my point. Well, we had a wonderful Zakaria question from Adam, who um uh, 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 and he said, he said, yeah, he played in the Champions League. I think he said he actually said. Oh, he played in the Champions League, I think. Fucking know about your players. What's what's going on? I think he played in the Champions League. No, he played in the Champions League, you git. He said he played twice. Fucking mention it. Get it right. What the fuck? What else did we have from him? Anyway, um, um, he say worked hard, a decent contribution. Fuck off. <laughs> Anyway. There's a there's an there's an additional strand of fan bites here where he's doing the equivalent <laughs> of that that Michael Spicer bloke, the guy who's doing the the feeding the lines to the oh, politicians. Yeah. Yes, well, yes, yes. Thank you. Yes, I will. I'll do it. Great idea. What a great idea. I don't know if we're going to get busted for copyright using the press conference footage, but I don't care. I cannot you, believe what you, what you should, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we could. This... Yeah. You have Potter's presser and and you you doing this. yeah 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 don't you say it don't say I think at the end of this don't say I no, think no I think, no no <laughs> don't say that no. yeah yeah that's absolutely perfect yes, yes. I'm claiming executive producer credit is there, anything, <laughs> I'll give you credit. I'll is give there you anything credit. else on the presser that we need to know about Oh God, Mendy's injured. Matteo Kovacic is back. Um, it was seven <laughs> minutes. Um, <laughs> Adam, I, I when when Adam asked his question, I went, "Oh, it's Adam." Oh, good. Okay, Adam, good. is there anything else we should know about the press that doesn't involve a, a rant and uh, a, a mental breakdown? <laughs> <laughs> um, God, uh, it was it was three days ago. Um, oh, sorry. Let's. They've got to. There wasn't. There wasn't really. There wasn't really. No, but I. I. Look, I actually do 
maybe not as vociferously agree with you jk and i wrote about this and how he needs to become more authoritative and yes, commanding I in press you did, you did. You and i got better but i don't agree i think you. he's he's in the last two press conferences i think there's been a little bit more i think he still has to go up further um but there can you know your counter argument here is that chelsea have had head coaches with a lot of of uh, personality, a lot of fiery nature, and a lot of them have flamed out. So maybe you do have a bit more of a what's the right word? Um, a low maintenance head coach, and maybe that actually can help Chelsea build what they want to build. But well, so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if some of the blowback from Tuchel's um, comments about Anthony Taylor haven't didn't help him in that respect because it created this controversy and. I don't think the new owners want that controversy. No. Whereas I, th- I personally think our team have always thrived on having a charismatic dickhead in charge. Yeah. Now they have a manager who's neither charismatic or a dickhead, it seems. So you did, well, you did say about the ref. You did say, in fact, he's, when he was asked about, about the refing, he said, uh, it's a tricky one. I said, yeah, well, I think, I think that's <laughs> preservation. I it's a oh, balance. Yeah. It's a well, balance. Just, like I said, Tuchel would have possibly exploded. Yeah, yeah he would have. Uh, long, yeah. And, yeah. That may not necessarily, but, you know, everybody well because it created an environment where referees would say, "Oh no, he's he slagged off my mate. No. I'm going to do them this time and all this yeah. stuff." We, what we what we have to accept, we really do have to accept this. I would I would mm-hmm. rather have uh, Potter being authentic. He, you know, he's a boring little man. That's who he is. I would rather he was that than trying to pretend to be something that he isn't, because that would be wrong and disingenuous. And I think. You know, when he's won the Champions League next year, we'll know him as the boring one rather than the special one, but it will be okay, and that's enough. Maybe, maybe he'll get mad drunk in the celebrations and he'll end up sounding like an extra from the anyway, Blinders. Anyway, here's the thing, right? There's only one person here who's actually sat in the same room as Graham Potter, to my knowledge, and it's not you, Martin, it's not me, and it's not JK. No, but although, I, I, although I'd like to see JK in the same room as him now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just, well, as I say, I, I understand JK's frustration, and and it's what I've written about, you know, personally. But it's it's I don't think, and this isn't this just a dig at you, JK. I mean, the two everyone's got to get over it. He ain't coming back. No, he's not coming back. There's no point comparing people to him. He is himself. And he's an ex-Chelsea manager. Two. He is no more. He's gone to meet his meet his maker. I'm, I'm, I'm a he's a Norwegian blue. I'm a historian. Oh, for... I like looking at the 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 you know the past to see how it it, it, yeah. it imposes. He's much better on the fifty years shows. It has to be said. He's really good on those. Sorry, no, no, I'm joking, of course. But uh, Tuchel was the the best at handling the media since Jose. Yeah, without not that. even close. So you're taking arguably one of the smartest PR savvy head coaches, and you're trying to compare him against someone who. Is still is still getting to grips in this environment of coaching a very elite club. I mean, give it time. I I do feel the same as you in the sense of I do think he has to become more authoritative and and command the room better. I, I think that's entirely fair. I mean, I think and maybe he will in time. The only thing that that speaks to me of Adam, which is the the worry that I have, and this was not supposed to be a a, a discussion or a debate on the merits of Potter or not, but. You know, I I wonder if that does speak to him being out of his depth. You know, this is an elite club. This is very different from Brighton. He's never been at this level before. And, you know, sometimes we've all been there. We've got jobs that have been, we've bitten off too much, you know, more than we can chew. And and I do think, I'm a great believer in, in the fact that personality 
does play a big part. You know, there's some, some people are born to be leaders. Some people are born to be managers of elite football clubs and some people are not. And we don't, but the reality is whether, whether Potter is or isn't is something that we cannot know yet because it is still too early. So me, I, for one, am doing something that I don't normally do and I am reserving my judgment until I feel that the time is necessary. Now, my uh, judgment will not be reserved any longer for the team selection for this week, which I love doing, as we all know, uh, and I'm going for this. Now, this is what I think Potter will pick, JK, and I'll explain in a minute. But uh, Kepper in goal, Cucurella, you go 4-3-3 again, Cucurella, Koulibaly, Silva, Aspilicueta, Mount, Jorginho, Zakaria, Pulisic, Havertz, Sterling. So basically the same team, excuse me, bar Aspilicueta, because I think he'll like to play 4-3-3. I think that's what he wants to do. I think it worked to a point pretty well. The only issue here is is Aspilicueta instead of Reese James, of course. I don't really know what we can do about that. Um, personally, I would like to see I would like to see uh, Gallagher start for either Zacharia or Jorginho. Myself, I'd, I'd like to. I mean, I'd be happy to see Mount Zacharia uh, Gallagher in that three, but I don't see him doing that. And I thought Pulisic, Havertz, and Sterling worked pretty well up front, actually. Uh, and I don't think uh, Ziyech or his evil twin brother will be starting. Um, and I don't see Aubameyang starting because I think Aubameyang is basically going to be ignored for as long as we can possibly ignore him, written off as a Tuchel signing. So I think that's what he's going to do. But who knows? Who you know? I, 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 you know with Potter that he always comes up with a curveball. Well, what say you, J.K.? Uh, agree completely about Aubameyang. I think he's now had it. Mm. He's uh, he might come on as a sub. I think he's uh, when he does come on as a sub, he came on against Bournemouth and um, did that well, one see. opportunity he was given. He kicked the ball too far ahead when he should just have passed it to the right and it was feeble, which is such a shame because I think he's a decent striker, but I don't think he figures at all anymore. Um, I uh, I wonder, but now that um, uh, he's stated that Kovacic is available, whether in fact Zakaria has, uh, has a game to play, unless he puts some um, Kovacic in for Jorginho. And keeps Zachariah. I personally would keep Zachariah. I think he added, he's like a kind of flamingo, isn't he, with his long legs? You just think he he adds something different and interesting. Um, Physicality. Yeah, absolutely. I thought he had a very decent game. Um, And obviously he's got a decent shot on him. Which So I I personally would play Mount Kovacic and and him. But um, it's a shame there's then no place for Gallagher. But I don't see Gallagher figuring very much either in this setup. I, I actually think he'll be transferred. Uh, which is such a dreadful thing to say, but I honestly, despite his stats, I I can't see him getting in. I just don't see it. I don't see it. Um, given the team at the moment, unless Kovacic is let go ultimately, uh, um, yeah, Cucurella must play, Kulabali must play, Silva must play. Um, Aspi is the only alternative. He um, Loftus Cheek, who he was tinkering with playing right uh, originally right wing back. Um, right back, excuse me, uh, isn't uh, uh, sneezing, isn't available, um, isn't fit yet. Uh, so yeah, I would, I would, uh, uh, yeah, what you say, Chidge, Cucurella, Koulibaly, um, Chilwell isn't ready yet. Um, Koulibaly, Silva, and Aspilicueta, I think, will be the four. Um, and they'll all attack everything down the right hand, down our right hand side, down the left hand side. And Sterling won't come back and track back, and therefore it'll put more emphasis on the midfield, um, protecting. Dave, but I think Dave then is the vulnerable one on the right hand side until they buy somebody uh, to to just be some kind of 
um, athletic protection unless he plays Hall right back as a as a possibility. Um, which um, he's not. He's a midfield player, so it's unlikely he'll do that. But Hall at least has the physicality and athleticism to deal with the the uh, the Premier League. So. That's my view. Indeed. Uh, Martin, what, what say you there, my friend? Uh, difficult to know, really. I mean, if Kovacic is ready to come back, I could see him being put in place there. I just think they need to be very careful not to take Nottingham Forest for granted and think, oh, they're... Oh, they beat Liverpool 1-0, didn't they? Exactly, because Liverpool done the same thing and took them for granted. And I could see some of this not doing, doing the same thing if they're not suitably motivated and throwing in a shit performance but um we'll see i mean i think that some of these some of these players are in there out of necessity at the moment because um you know james is injured again so as pillar plays i don't think you can it would be fair to put hall on the right hand side no, good as he was no. on the left Cucurella didn't do too badly on tuesday i thought it was okay so the bortzoi yeah it did okay or the laughing um, cavalier well you know the Call him whatever you like, really. It's, Spanish he, poodle. <laughs> these are getting worse and worse, mate. All right, I'll give up while I'm. I'll give up while I'm. I'm behind. Quit while you're behind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I. Yeah. I could see. I could see it largely being being as you've written. I wouldn't be too upset if Jorginho didn't play. I think they may also be looking to the game against Man City on Thursday as well, because even though I don't think we'd stand a chance in that game, I'd imagine he wants to keep the experienced heads ready for that I mean ironically Jorginho of course would be pretty would be I, I would play Jorginho against City because it'll be a, a game of keep ball so we'll need somebody to, to at least be able to keep the ball if we, if at all yeah. if we actually get it at all but but there <laughs> you go um, I mean I don't know if you want to comment on my, my team I, I think that this is what Potter will go for Adam Kepper Kula Correct. I mean basically same team as Bournemouth with Aspie in for James. That that's what I reckon he'll do. I'd like to see Gallagher getting in, maybe instead of Jorginho, put Zachariah in the middle. Um I imagine Martin might have be on something with the city game coming up. I think he may try and rest maybe one or two. Um Tiago, potentially. Uh I did think it was quite noteworthy. He seemed to be really, really struggling for about dunno, twenty, twenty five minutes of the first half. Um I think he's been pictured with some strapping around his knee in training. So I wouldn't be surprised if he stepped out. Maybe you bring in uh, Trev Chalaber, mm. move over Koulibaly. Um Aside from that, I mean, it's it's why would you make too many changes? Mm. Um, yes, you bring in Aspi to replace Reese. You do lose a bit of dynamism down that side, of course, but you don't want him to mess too much with with a team that's won, especially given the form Chelsea were in before the World Cup break. So um my guess it would be very similar. Maybe take out Thiago and, and bring in a replacement for Reese. Yeah, I forgot about the, the, they might have one eye on, on City, of course. Um, this is a great fixture, by the way, for those of us who are old. Uh, there's, there's plenty of history with Forrest. Uh, dunkings in the Trent um, used to be quite a feature. It used to be a bit naughty up there, actually. Tim, Tim Rolls has written a brilliant blog, by the way, which is you'll probably find on the, uh, the Chelsea uh, history uh, group uh, website. Um, about it was his first away game in 1976, and he went up on a Chelsea special. And I can I, I know that there were dunkings in the Trent, the River Trent there, because of course the 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 uh, city ground backs onto the the River Trent, which is quite wide at that point, and uh, Forest fans would quite like to throw you in the river. 
quite often they were the ones that were thrown in the river instead but that's another story for another day um our history against them you know obviously has been a bit few and far between recently because they've not been in the uh Premier League for a long, 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 long time, but they were in the Premier League. And back in those days, um, I mean, you know, let me just have a think. Uh, the last time we played them in the Premier League up there was in 1999, and we won 3-1. Uh, but we've lost a few up there in the Premier League history. 97, we lost 2-0, uh, and we won, We drew 0-0 in 95, we won 1-0 in 94, we lost 3-0 three, three in 93, and then before that, we were playing them in Division 1. Uh, so that would have been... Uh, that 3-0 three nil, three nil loss was in 92-93, when they were like rock bottom. I know. And well we, relegated, yes. And we had Hoddle, didn't we, by then, I think? No, it was Porterfield. Was still. it Porterfield? Oh, that explains yeah. everything then. Uh, Forest v Chelsea in 92, we drew 1-1. And then a game that many will remember, I bet JK was at this, but Forrest beat Chelsea 7-0. Yes, I was. Yeah. Now, the reason for that, apparently, is really funny, because I didn't I didn't uh, mention this, but in my blurb about Cundy, I, I lifted uh, Kelvin's piece in the Sporting Heroes bit. And I, I forgot about this, uh, but actually, one of the reasons it was said that we lost 7-0 against Forrest, there we go, Uh with his place in the team assured, he continued to make rapid progress. His importance being highlight, highlighted when he's absent, in his absence, the team conceded seven goals at Forest. So basically, we got humped seven nil by Forest because Cundy wasn't playing. Is that true, J.K.? Um, I didn't think so at the time. I have to say, I just we got humped because we were shit. Yeah, that would be true. They played yeah. us off the pitch. They were rather good in those days. They I were very. Was, good. Yeah, they there still had like Clough, didn't they? His name Crosby was fantastic. Yeah. A little winger there. Do you, I don't know if do you, scared the living daylights out of everybody? Do you, were you there in seventy nine when they humped a six nil? Um, uh, uh, it, it has terrible familiarities to it, but I, I, I don't think so. I think it was the uh, the uh, the latter games that yeah. I was at. So you know, we might not have played them a lot recently, but there's plenty of good old history there we've uh that you know basically uh we've won 40 drawn 28 and lost 26 all told against forest what is also interesting is that uh, adam might have something to say about this um whilst uh a lot of our players were on world cup duty uh forest played no less than one two three four friendlies Four friendlies uh, against Stoke. They lost 2-1. Atromitos, whoever they are, they lost 3-2. Olympiacos, they lost 1-0. And Valencia, they won 2-1. So I was unaware, Adam, that a lot of clubs were doing this. Obviously, we played Villa, if you recall. Christ, I wish we hadn't because Brozier wouldn't be injured and out. Um, but were a lot of, you know, shall we say, clubs who didn't have as many international representatives... You know, did uh, did they all play friendlies like this? Uh, most of them played more than Chelsea. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, Arsenal played more than Chelsea. I think they did three. Um, but then Chelsea were only second to Manchester City, I think, for players who were at the World yeah. Cup. Yeah. So Potter didn't. And and then you add in all the players who, of course, were injured, and and there wasn't exactly a lot of Graham Potter to really work with first team wise. So. It was I guess from, worth it, was it, Adam, for the team to be playing, considering that no. even that Villa game, you just looked and thought they've he only played four 
players who played for the first team, didn't he? So yeah. So and obviously that came at a cost that game. So um, you know, from Forest's perspective, given the amount of players they signed in the summer, I guess this was a real opportunity for them to use it as essentially a pre-season and try and bed everybody in. Um, it certainly won't be easy, Chelsea going up there. Uh, so Forest will be fresher. They would have had time to work with Steve Cooper. The atmosphere you imagine is going to be um, very good because it's you know, as Potter said very eloquently in his press conference, you know, Chelsea come to town. It's uh, it's a big game, and and the fans will be up for that. So um, and there's history, as I said, you know, and I think it will be an interesting test of of this Chelsea team because we've seen them wilt. Um, at different points. I mean, you go back to Leeds earlier in the season. Um, that was quite a, a big atmosphere that Chelsea didn't perform in. Um, and there's lots of examples over the last couple of years where the team hasn't necessarily shown the backbone that you'd want in these games. So if they can if they can produce a performance and if they can get a win, I mean, going into City with a couple of wins in the, in the bank would be important. I think just from a morale point of view and a confidence point of view, because we know what City are going to do. We know what Erling Haaland is going to probably do. But if you can go into that game with a, a certain level of confidence in, in yourself and feel that there's a bit of momentum building, then at least that gives us a bit of a better chance at, at stopping City. Yeah. I mean, Forrest are a funny old side. I mean, obviously, I mean, I, I don't know how other people feel. I was really glad to see them promoted. I, I, I like to see Forrest back in the Premier League. I've got very fond memories of them, you know, when Clough was manager and all of that, blah bloody blah uh, They're the kind of side I like to see back in the in the, in the the Premier League. Um but they seem to have done a Fulham, in, by which I mean, you know, by far too many players, none of whom seem to have gelled whatsoever. And I mean, I can look at their, their team sheet and I really don't know any of them. But apparently there's a, a worldie called Worrell in defence. I don't think it's related to Mark at all. But uh, Hennessy, I know. Uh, Lingard, obviously, um, you know, ex-United and did well for West Ham. But I mean, I see Aurier, that's good old surge, isn't it? Ex-Spurs, he, he's playing as right-back. Um, and they've got um, uh, um, Colback, he used to play for Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, you know, but they're, they're still not a team that I think, oh, yeah, 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 he was good. I mean, a lot of their, I mean, Gibbs White, I know, he was at Wolves, he was a good player, he's out injured. Coate's out injured, of course, who I do know as well. So they got a fair old amount of injuries. But, you know, there's a sense to me, uh, Adam with Forrest is that apart from the fact that they they you know it's stupid buying that many players really I mean I know you need to get rid of your championship players and get Premier League quality but that seemed a bit stupid and I do feel sorry for Steve Cooper I just kind of wonder if they're horribly out of their depth in this league and that that they are gonna they are doomed to relegation pretty pretty quickly really although at the city ground they're they're not they're not as soft as we might think I mean they've won 11 of their entire 13 points we won at the city ground they've won three drawn two lost three um they're unbeaten in their last four premier league matches at the city ground one two drawn two we know they beat uh liverpool one nil um so you know it's not going to be it, it's it, it's not going to be a walkover for chelsea but this is definitely a game you would expect chelsea to win and it's also the type of game they're going to have to win because i don't see us really beating some of the really really top teams this season I just don't think we're at that level, which means we need to be picking up our points from these kind of games, right? Yes, exactly. Um, that's exactly the point I was just about to make. Damn, um, sorry, mate. I had no idea, honestly. <laughs> no, as you say, these are the games Chelsea have to win. There is no two ways about that now. If they're going to 
sort of claw their way back into the top four picture, you cannot be dropping points against teams in the relegation zone. And it would be nice to get back to a point where Chelsea go into these games and it seems like a foregone conclusion. Um, I say it's been a while, probably probably throughout all of 2022. I know there were extenuating circumstances during the second uh, half of last season as to why, but um, it hasn't felt for a long time that Chelsea go in and dominate games and you're, you're confident going into matches before kickoff. Um, and it'd be good to get that feeling back just, just to help Chelsea sort of build some confidence and momentum. And, and hopefully 2023 is a bit easier from a Chelsea perspective and it's not as absolutely mentally and physically and emotionally exhausting for, for everybody involved. Yeah, too right. I mean, the other reason why we need to win this, of course, is we've got City coming up next. We've got Liverpool at the end of the month. We've got some tough matches coming up. Just to fill you all with more glee, particularly Martin and JK, who I know are feeling quite buoyant at the moment, so I can't let that carry on for much longer. Uh, but Taiwo Awaniyi returned to the Forest team last time out. Two of his three Premier League goals this term have been match winners against sides from last season's top seven. And the best one of all, the hot, the hot stat, Chelsea haven't won their first Premier League game of a calendar year since 2016. We've drawn four and lost two since. Deep joy. So, um, based on that huge optimism, where do we see this one going, Martin? And are you going, by the way? Uh, yeah, well, I've got to go up there earlier than I planned now because thanks to the postal strikes, my ticket hasn't arrived. Oh, so shit, got, seriously? Got, yeah, I've got to pick up a duplicate. Um, the strike is very solid in this area of northwest London. I haven't had any post in the last Bloody two hell. fucking weeks. So, um, yeah, I've got to get, yeah so I've got to do that. Um I am going. We'll see. I mean, it depends on what attitude they come out with. If they apply themselves, there's no reason they can't beat Nottingham Forest. Um, but it's a big effort at the moment, mm-hmm. as it has been pretty much all this calendar year. I'd say with the you know they'll turn up you know against Spurs and you know put the effort in because they know they not can't lose the fucking Tottenham and all this stuff. And then the next day they play. Next week they play a Leeds or someone, and they're like rabbits in the headlights. And my concern is that could happen again because this is the first time we've played at the City Ground, I think since '99. I can't think of any cup games have been up there. We've played them a couple of times in cup games, but they've been at Stamford Bridge as far as I can recall. And that's yeah, it's going to be a big, it's going to be a big thing. They're going to be bang up for it. And if this team, if Chelsea don't respond to that, they could find themselves in a lot of bother because although they haven't fully shown it yet, there are enough good players on that Forest team that if they work collectively, they could do a job on us. Mm. Indeed. Wise words, Martin. JK, are you going to this one? I am, yes. You you taking your wellies in case you get thrown in the trend? Uh, I hadn't envisaged that, but now you mention it, I better take my swimming costume. Mm. Um, I'll try and avoid walking. You have to go that way, don't you, to get into the ground? Well, it would be not really. I mean, you can, you, you can, you, you know, you can, you can start around it. Actually, do you know what? It depends. Actually, if you, it depends which end you're in. But if you know, you're right. You, you can't avoid walking along the river. But there is another way round when you go go over the bridge. But I mean, you don't want to be pushed in over the bridge because it's quite. I a don't drop. know. I've reached the stage of my life where people offer me the uh, their seat on the tube. So. Uh, I think the the likelihood of me um, being selected as somebody to be thrown in the Trent is slim. 
uh, mm-hmm. particularly if, uh, if I say, I'm very old, I'm a very old man, could you keep away, please? I'm, I'm gutted, actually, because I'd earmarked this is definitely an away trip I wanted to do this season, because I love Nottingham, because I go up to the cricket there quite a lot. Yes. Sarah used to work there, so I know it really, really, I love Nottingham as a city, and I was thinking I'd love to go to this one. And they have it, well, I mean, I'm, I'm actually going on holiday on Sunday, so I, I, I'm going to be out of the country, but, uh, you know, had I not been, then I, I'd have really been well up for this. I, I, I fear, though, that um, we will be overcome by the uh, the atmosphere and that we will lose. Really? Seriously? Yeah, absolutely seriously. I really I don't, don't have, I don't have faith in this outfit. If this is the same outfit that played in the, the way they played after Rhys James went off, we'll lose. Because I, I, I just mentally, I don't think they're up for it. I really don't. Why? Well, because as I said, because of the the I think they were relying too much on Reese, and Reese is a is world class player. And the second that he went off, the very fact that the performance level diminished so much against a very poor Brighton side does not leave me with great hope. I'm afraid. But you said mentally they're not up for it. I'm not sure what you no, mean. I don't, by that. I, well, mentally, I think that they were affected by Reese going off right. the degree of the lack of performance level. I think he admitted it in the press conference. Right? Didn't he? He said that they were affected by. By uh, by Reese going off, and the they they to me didn't compete properly then, and it allowed to, just to go down that right hand side, the, our, our left our right hand side, um, uh, instantly with, with ease, cut through it with ease because Dave couldn't deal with it, and we we and Dale David looks likely will will be playing for the whole of the ninety minutes, which uh, which I don't think he's capable of doing. Chaloba so, could, well indeed, well perhaps well there's a, there's a decent alternative, yeah. Chaloba may very well be playing in that position. I I'd would prefer. Stick him there. I would stick Chaloba there. We didn't talk about that when the team selection. Mm. I would Chaloba played at right back, in which case I think we'd have more of a of a chance. But I I, I really do. I think that we're so vulnerable there. I think they'll score simple goals, just punted down the left our right hand side, and they'll run a run after them and just boot the ball in the middle, and we'll miss it. I really don't. Knowing the atmosphere there will be unbelievably intimidating, as to what you said. The noise level will be astonishing because it's Chelsea not having played there for so long. And I already remember before us being completely intimidated thirty years ago, and I can rem- remember us being. In- I can see us being intimidated now, but with the memory of the Leeds game, really very much in my in my memory, we were absolutely taken to the cleaners, and it wasn't to do with us not being capable of dealing with it. We just we just gave in. You know, right, put a number on it then, JK. Uh, I think we'll lose 2-0. Two 2-0. Nil. Two nil. Martin? I am going to say 1-0 Chelsea. Adam? He doesn't normally have to do this. We've really no, foxed it, two haven't nil we? 2-0 Chelsea. 2-0 two two nil nil Chelsea. Chelsea. Yeah, I'm going to go 2-1. But I think we'll win. I think we'll win because I think we're better than them. Simple as. We turn up, play properly, we'll win. Because we're better than them. We were better than Leeds. Should have scored in the first minute, Sterling. No, has. because Le- Leeds, Leeds like Southampton, I always thought could be a banana skin for us because they play in a way that really does not suit us at all. They press, 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 give you no time on the ball. You've got Jorginho playing in a game like that. You're always going to be vulnerable. I wasn't surprised by that. I suppose the advantage is that they will play, a, they're very likely to play a, a block, aren't they? They'll yeah. play a look and then try and get us on the counter yeah. which which is easier for us to play against yeah. but if they if you're in your face but you don't know how's he going to play we don't no, know we how don't he's going to play but we, we will have more of the ball and if we create a good chance and we put it away early then I, I think it should be game over what I don't want to see is us, us sitting back on that and inviting attack after attack because I, I don't think we can cope with that these days but I'm still I'm sticking my neck out I'm going to go 2-1 
and I will be on a plane at the time. So I've, I have TiVo'd this game, the City game, and the Cup game. So there you go. So don't let me down, Chelsea. But uh, three wins and a defeat. That's unusual for us. Normally, it's, it's, we will, none of us predict that we're going to lose, which is why I do so badly in the bloody Prem Predictions League. You might score some points this week, J.K. I've done it differently in the Premier in the Predictions League. I've got mm. us winning at the Predictions League. Okay, J.K. is right down the bottom of the league, so this does not bode well. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. All right, there we go. That's enough of that. Um, we should wrap up and all toddle off home. Um, it's been an absolute delight being back, I have to say. I have really enjoyed this. I'm, first of all, I'm going to thank Adam for not only uh, joining us on a Friday night, which he, he, he likes to do, but actually joining us for the whole damn lot and also instigating a mass bundle in the middle of it, which was great. No, you didn't. You didn't. You didn't instigate it, but uh, you sparked off a really interesting debate at the beginning of the show, which I hadn't even put in the running order. So well done for that. And then uh, we had a good old chinwag about the transfers and, and egg baddy, which I think we would have not been able to do in as, an informed way if we hadn't have had you. So I thank you for that. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me on. Look forward to seeing you again very soon, Mister Wickham. Lovely to see you as always. I, I'm looking forward to seeing you on the fifteenth because I won't be, uh, you know making my way up to the bridge until then okay well enjoy your holiday and happy new year everyone it's yeah good to be back absolutely that and uh last and by no means least lovely to see him again mr kid on on very ranty form tonight lovely to see I'm, i've got lots of opinions this is the trouble about it because i am i am offended at the moment by the way we're playing yes, there we go offended of putney this is because i'm so old yeah because i seen so many games yeah. i have gone through so many different permutations i've seen so many similar situations with the team yeah. not playing you're, you're going I, full on root gahoyer aren't you i've seen I, things you people have never seen i've seen things you people have never seen tears from the star Lurpak. of orion he advertised lurpak didn't he Rukai? he did Lurpak. adam's Lurpak. looking at us like we're mad blade runner love all right blade, blade runner good film check it out a bit before your time but very good uh, anyway, great to see you, JK, as always. Uh, great to see you both, all of you, actually. You've been fantastic. Now, as I said, uh, we will be back on Monday for the main Chelsea Fancast show, but not with me. This hasn't happened for a long time, has it? Nope. I am off on Ollie Bob's. I'm going to be in Lanzarote for a week, getting some summer sun and trying to find pubs that will show m- the matches that I shall be missing. Uh, but anyway, uh, Dean Mears will be... Uh, at the reins at the helm of the Starship Chelsea fancast on Monday and on Friday next week. And on uh, Monday, he'll be joined as ever by JK. And uh, Dane Whittle is penciled in for Monday's show. I thought I'd be really kind to uh, to Dean and allow him to have his little buddy from his Went to Mo King's Meadow show uh, with him to make him feel at home. So there we go. Dean, JK and Dane, 7 o'clock on Monday. They'll be looking back at the match against Forest and ahead to the match against City. Uh, and then they'll be back on Friday doing the reverse, if you see what I mean. Uh, they'll be actually, it'll, all, it'll be all about City, won't it? Reviewing the City game and looking forward to the cup match on the Sunday. And then I shall be back on the following Monday. So there you go. Uh, brilliant to see these boys, as I've said. Uh, you lot out there, thank you for listening. Always lovely to see you in Mixler. Uh, see you in a couple of weeks myself. And uh, hopefully you'll be back on Monday to join Dean and the boys. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, keep it chills.
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.